Welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. All right, well, I'm looking forward to uh, the message this morning. You know, I was praying uh, when Pastor Tom asked me to, uh, to share this morning on just what the Lord would have. And really, the message is going to be probably in two parts. Uh, you might like to open your Bibles to Psalm 65, because we're going to start there. And uh, I want to just bring something that I believe will encourage us. Uh, This is the last Sunday of 2015. And uh, next week, of course, we'll be in the new year. So I want to just cross the bridge between looking at the end of the year and then we're going to ask the question, what about 2016? And uh, I believe I'm going to share some things with you that I see concerning 2016 and uh, what I believe the Lord is saying to us about that and some exciting things. Well, Psalm 65 and verse 11. Psalm 65 and verse 11 says, You crown the year with your goodness, and your path drips with abundance. So here it is, we're at the end of 2015, and we look at God's perspective, and God says that he's crowned his year with goodness. Now, you know, you might want to look back at your year and wonder what happened and, and, and what took place, but God looks at it and says, I, I had goodness that I gave to everybody. So what I want to do is what does this goodness look like? What is the goodness of the Lord? And I'm just going to go through this fairly quickly this morning uh, because I've just got one Sunday. There's probably about five or ten messages in this, but um, let me just cover this. So I'm going to just give you some verses of Scripture And we won't have time to look at them. I think I'll probably go to one, and then I want to get into the main part of the message. So we're going to look at what is God's goodness. Well, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, tells us Jesus is a mediator of a new and better covenant, which is established on better promises. Now, here's the thing. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, we started a brand new covenant, And this covenant is not like the old covenant. This covenant is a new covenant and it's better and it's based on better promises. And so we're going to see here some of that this morning, these better promises, because Romans chapter 8 verse 17 tells us that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now here's something that didn't happen under the Old Testament but now happens under the New Testament. Whatever Jesus has, you have. Now just stop and think that. God, when Jesus rose from the dead, God poured all his blessings on Jesus and then whatever God gave him, he gave us. Now here's the thing. Did God give Jesus any sorrow? Did he give him any hardship? Did he give any penalties to him? Mm, 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 mm. No. Now just because you see, whatever he gets, you get. Now, if he was to get sickness, then you'd have to be putting yourself down one day you're going to get sick too. If he's going through some hardship, then someday you're going to have to go through hardship. But he doesn't go through any hardship. He has no worries, no fears, no woes, no sickness, no poverty, no lack. You get what he gets. God's crowned his year with his goodness. This is the goodness of God. This next one here. It's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12. It says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Oh, you're blessed. You know, one of th- sometimes, you know, I, I, as I travel all over the world, and uh, you know I do, and I go to many places, and you know, people are looking for a special blessing. And I talk to them, I, where are you going to get a special blessing from? Because the Bible says you're already blessed. With every spiritual... Can you just imagine that? There's not one thing that God left out in blessing you. I like looking back and say, what has God done for me? You know, he's blessed me and he's blessed you with every spiritual blessings. And he did that because we're in Christ. Amen? Amen. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you get out there and... You know, maybe you watch some televangelist and they want you to give. And if you give right now, you'll get a special blessing. 
Well, that really rubs me. It really does. It irks me. I've got to, I'll just be honest with you. It disappoints me. Because my question is, if I'm going to give to get a special blessing, where are you going to get this blessing from? I've already got every blessing. See, church, it's good that we know who we are in Christ. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll always be feeling like, I'm missing something, I've got to do something. And then some preacher comes and says, do this and you'll get that. You think, maybe that's it. You don't have to do anything. It's a free gift. It's already been given. He's crowned your year with his goodness. What is the goodness of God? The goodness of God is that Jesus did all the work. And all you have to do is receive it by faith. And that's grace. See, the grace of God is he does all the work. And he gives it to you and you receive it. But works as you do something, ask God to receive it, and Lord, will you bless it? But no, you are already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And, and then 1 Peter 2.24 says, tells us by his stripes we are healed. Man, healing is available and that we are to walk in divine health because Jesus already bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases and by his stripes we are healed. That's the goodness of God. You imagine if Jesus hadn't paid the price for that? Yeah, we'd have to all go around and just say, well, you just never know what God will do. You know, God's just trying to teach me something through these hardships and this difficulty. No, God's not doing any of that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus bore all that for us. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, God's sending these things to teach me things. No, God doesn't send you something that the world can get to teach you something. Now, I've often said, you know, fasting is not spiritual. You know, sometimes we put a lot of effort, that, and, and fasting, hear me right, fasting is a good thing. Pastor Tom's going to come back, we have a month of fasting. But the fasting is not spiritual. It's what you do in the fast that's spiritual. Now, the reason fasting isn't spiritual, if fasting was spiritual, Weight Watchers would be the most spiritual group in town. <laughs> so anything you can do in the natural is not spiritual. But you see, here's something, when you fast, you pray, you worship God. You, that's not what the world does. That's what believers do. Amen? So by his stripes we are healed. Now this, this next one. Come on, let's turn to this one because I think this one's important. James chapter 1 and verse 16. Let's just have a quick look at this. I'm just laying a foundation. For James chapter 1, is that what I said? 16. Oh, that's all right. I get so excited sometimes that I'm ahead of where I'm going. And if I'm ahead of where I'm going, you don't know where I'm going. I don't want to lose you. James chapter 1, verse um, 16. James was dealing, and I don't have time to preach on this this morning, he was dealing with a problem in the church, a problem still in the church today, you know, where God's the one that's going to send your hardship, your difficulties, you know, teach you, perfect you, create something in your world to, to do something. And he's, he's actually answering that problem right here. And here he says, do not be deceived, my brethren. Isn't that a good way to start what I'm about to say? Don't be deceived. Listen, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights from whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So when we look to God, your God only ever, everyone say ever. ever. I mean ever, 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 ever only gives good and perfect gifts. I'm telling you, I'm glad I can come to God. I don't have to come and wonder what he's going to do. Is it my day to be whipped? Is it my day to go through some... Is it my day to, to suffer? Is it my day because I didn't do it all right and I, I know I've missed it, but he's going to get me today. I know I'm, I'm undone. No, God only ever, 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 ever. See, he's crowned his year with his goodness. What is the goodness of God? And that is that he only ever gives good and perfect gifts. And he will never change. Yeah. Now, sometimes I have people come and oh, pastor, I've committed the unpardonable sin. You know, God could never forgive me. You can't change God. Before the foundations of the earth, he said, I'll see you as valuable and precious, spotless and without blame. You can't 
change God. Some people think, well, I can change God because, you know, I've messed up. Well, folks, if, 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 if messing up would change God, we've all changed him. <laughs> we've all messed up. Amen? But you can't change God. Oh, thank goodness we can't change him. He'll never, ever, ever change. And he only ever gives good and perfect gifts. Amen? We look back. He's crowned his year with his goodness. He never changes. Here's another one. Couldn't work out what the next one was. Okay. Proverbs Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord make us rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Well, thank you, Lord. You mean to tell me you're going to bless me, you're going to prosper me, you're going to heal me, cause me to have abundance and be blessed, but you're not going to add any sorrow with this? Isn't there something I should do? Some penalty I should? No, none, says the Lord. It's all been paid for. Jesus paid for it at the cross. You don't have to do anything, but just receive it by faith. Amen? This is the goodness of the Lord. Next verse here. Just... um, this is the last one. John 10.10 10 says, The thief, the thief, the devil, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Folks, this verse is so simple. We need a lot of help to get this confused as it, as, as it is in some quarters in the church. Listen, anything that steals, kills and destroys is the devil. End of story. That's it. You see, anything out there in your world that's stealing, killing, and destroying at any time, doesn't matter what, it's not God, it's the devil. Because Jesus said, I've come. (laughs) I'm glad he came and destroyed the works of the devil. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? So as we look back, we see the goodness of the Lord. I'm telling him, My God is a good God. How about you? Your God a good God? Do you see him as a good God? I certainly do. I could could stand here all day and talk about the goodness of my God and what he's made available and what he has done. And so we're crowning this year as we look back. See, if the devil was to crown the year... You know, well, the devil would crown the year with worry, with fear, anxiety, turmoil, concern, depression, sickness, poverty, stress, mistrust. You can just add stuff to the list. If the devil was out trying to crown a year, that's what he would do. It would all be to hurt and to destroy and to ruin the lives of people. And that's what the devil does. But God comes that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Amen? That's what God does. Now, as we come to the end of this year, it's good that we establish that's who God is. Because now we're going into 2016. What about 2016? What is God saying about 2016? Well, I want to share some things with you this morning that I believe God is saying about 2016. Because I believe 2016 is going to be uh, the most dynamic year for the church. I believe that in 2016 we are moving into an incredible revival and a move of God. And I want to talk about that this morning. I wanted to touch just briefly on um, crowning the year with God's goodness that we remember. Because we have to carry the goodness into 2016. See, there's a stressful world out there. There's a world out there in all sorts of a mess. And the only thing that's going to bring relief and, and, and from their misery and suffering is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God has a plan. So come with me if you would, because we're just going to go to Isaiah chapter 60, and I'm just going to use this as a um, platform to share some things this morning that I'm going to just share with you as a church here. Uh, concerning 2016 and and what I believe God is saying to us and what we can expect and our part in it because what we're going to see is that we all have a part you know God has a purpose for you here today and for you being on planet earth at such a time as this 
It doesn't matter whether you're male, female, young, old, educated, uneducated, or whatever else there is in between. You're here. God has a plan. It's too late. You can't opt out. It's all over, Red Rover. You're it. Now, don't get excited on me all at once. (laughs) So here we have Isaiah chapter 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now, the understood subject here is going to be you. You. You, the body of Christ. Now, this is not just a suggestion, but this is a command for the church that we arise and shine. In other words, there's going to be something that's going to happen because as we arise, shine, and this word shine here is to break forth or to be set on fire. I want you to burn today. You know what you said, Peter, downstairs? Peter gave me a prophetic word downstairs. He said, you're going to set us all on fire. And I thought, yes, absolutely right. I want you to burn I want you to be on fire. Because you see, something about a fire, something that's burning in darkness, people can see for miles. And what we want to do is we want you as a church to be so on fire that people can see you. We're going to talk about this this morning. That's why I wanted to cover the, the goodness of God. Because what is going to cause you to burn... And be on fire. It's because you know the goodness of God, that God is with you. God is not against you. He has blessed you. He is the one that's given you good and perfect gifts. And he's come that you might have life and have it more money. That should be enough to make us burn and be excited every single day. It doesn't matter what we have to face. Glory to God. Look out. Here I come, devil. You're in trouble. So we're going to be like a rise, shine for your light has come now. Light. You know, it's going to be like lightning. Seen lightning in a dark sky? It's real dark out there. Boom, boom, boom. Well, that's what the church is going to be like. We're going to be lightning, exploding. People are going to see and hear something from you. This is going to be such an incredible time. Listen, God, you know, if you were God right now, what would you want to do? Do you sit back on the throne and put your feet up and... No, that's not God. God is looking down. He's passionate. He's passionate about a hurting, dying world. And he's got a plan. He's not about to sit back and just wait and see what's going to happen. God's got a plan. And that plan is you. You're going to be the one that God is going to use to burn bright in a dark world. So uh, I, I would like to put it this way, a new day is coming and, uh, and revival as we have never seen it before. This would be a different move of God. Most revivals in the past have started with a man or a woman or a group of people praying and it came into a building. And sadly enough, it mostly stayed there. And mostly the building and the people that came to the building got excited and most people that lived in the same street that the building had the, had the move of God didn't even know the move of God was there because no one went and told them, but people flocked to the building. So what God's about to do now is about to get you out of the building. <laughs> it's exciting stuff. So it's not going to be happening here in the building, it's going to be happening out there. And people are going to see you burning bright and going off like a thunderstorm. Boom, boom, boom. No silence. It's going to be noisy. But it's going to be awesome because it's going to do a lot of things. What we are going to do, and this is why it's important we understand the goodness of God because you you carry that goodness. So you're going to carry that healing, anointing out and pray for the sick. But if you don't know God's goodness, you don't know he's the healer, you don't know it's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy, you don't know that God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. If you don't know that, then you're not going to be capable of doing what God's called you to do. 
But if you will be firmly grounded in this knowledge and understanding, then even on your worst day, you'll be at your strongest in God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Even on the day when you feel the least like it. And I've got to tell you, we all have that. You know, some of you think, well, it's all right for you. You know, you travel all over the world, you see all this sort of stuff, you probably never have an off day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> to confess, I do. Most of them are before I travel. So, oh, gosh, I don't want to travel again. <laughs> get on another plane. Uh, but when I get there, I'm, I'm on fire. Now, listen, I've just come back from Kenya. Two weeks ago, I was in Kenya, and I went over there to a conference and uh, this was um, Global Mobilization Consultation, is what they called it. It's a mouthful of a name. There were 300 people at this conference from 40 different nations. And uh, this looks like a group that is, is firing up to be the next premier group for world evangelism and missions. And we just had the privilege to be there at their first meeting. And uh, there were a number of, th- of themes that ran through, but one of the themes that, that ran through that was very exciting is they talked about the saints of God doing the work of the ministry. This is what God was doing now. And that was very exciting because, uh, as most of you know, that is exactly what I've been uh, preaching and sharing for quite a number of years now, that this was going to be a part of the next move of God. Now, I always knew when God gave it to me that you would hear this in other parts of the body of Christ. You ever get something and you don't hear it from other parts of the body of Christ, you probably got it wrong. So I knew I would eventually hear it. And uh, so this ran through this conference, and that was really, really exciting to me, to hear other parts of the body of Christ from all over the world in different nations talking about this next move is going to be the saints of God doing the work of the ministry. It's not going to be the five-fold ministry. It's going to be the saints of God and the five-fold ministry undergirding and helping and equipping you to do your job. And see, this is the number one way we're going to reach the world. You know, I, uh, at our conference this year, uh, on our last night, I, I put some things together. I didn't bring me, but I can remember some of it now. And, and I... I, I I looked up some things on the internet and there's over 2 billion Christians in the world, 2 billion and something or other. I forget now how many, but 3% of that are five-fold ministry. That's 65 million. There's still over 5 billion people that are not saved. So we look at the equation here. Are 65 million in the five-fold ministry going to reach the 5 billion that still need to be reached? And the answer is it's impossible can't be done but if the body of Christ is empowered and you are mobilized and trained and equipped and encouraged this is your job I I think we're going to make a huge difference because people in your world are going to need to hear the gospel and I'm I'm going to get to some stuff in just a moment that's uh, really really exciting about what God's going to do So you are going to shine and the glory of the Lord is upon you in what God's doing. Now, uh, so that was at that conference. It was just really uh, encouraging in that area and to be uh, on the ground floor of this next group uh, that we are connected with now that are going to help with resources and we'll be able to add some supply to them and some stuff is already happening. It's just really almost overwhelming uh, you know, some of the stuff that we see coming up and that will come together out of a group like this. And then I'm, an, another group came out of that that we're putting some things together as well. So we're, we're in for a, a very exciting time in God. Now, let me just share something else. Because we've been working on this for some time. Uh, it, 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 this is something that God had birthed in my heart and started in 2006. And I won't go back that far to tell the story. But over the last five years, we've been bringing this to our to our conference, to AFCM Global. First year, it was like, you know, throwing a ball at the wall, it just came back at you. But this year, things shifted, where everybody was on board with the fact that this was going to be a part of the next move of God. And out of our conference this year, uh, one of the things that, 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 that I found as I was talking to some pastors, 
and I was in the same boat when I pastored, and I'd ask him, how many people have been saved in your church this year? And the fact is, nobody actually knew. It wasn't even on the radar. And, and, and hear me right, this is, I, I, you know, I did the same thing when I pastored. Uh, I, I don't know why, it just sort of slipped, you know. Uh, and it shouldn't, because it should be our most number one thing. That's what Jesus came for, was to, to die for the whole world, not just for the ch- few people, for people sitting in church. Anyhow, so... What came out of that conference is, why don't we keep account? And we started doing that here in the church. Why don't we keep account of how many people are being saved? Because I find out when I look in the Bible that all heaven rejoices when one person gets saved. But when I asked some people how many people got saved, nobody knew. So we missed out on the only rejoicing that heaven has. Heaven doesn't rejoice because you get a promotion, get a job, get an increase, get a brand new car, get a house, whatever it is. Heaven doesn't rejoice over that. So heaven is actually quite silent when you get... You, you get we find... <sighs> I'm, I'm calming down, honey. <laughs> We're still finding the church is shouting more over a parking spot than souls. But heaven doesn't. Someone gets a promotion at work, we shout over that more than we do over souls. Heaven doesn't. Now, the reason why heaven doesn't is because you are already blessed. Amen. Angels look and say, I don't know what's wrong with these people, don't they? know they're already blessed. Everything's, they've got everything. Yeah. Just got to receive it by faith. So we looked in the Bible and found out all heaven rejoices and... When someone gets saved, God writes their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then, God, I guarantee, can tell you how many people got saved from that person from when Jesus rose from the dead. But we didn't know. Something had to shift. So, uh, it came out of our conference that we would start keeping account. We're only a small group. We'd keep account of how many people have been saved since the 25th of August and up to date, this is four months later, we're now up to 748. 748 people. Come on. Every time you hear in the church someone's been saved, that's your cue to shout louder than the person who got a promotion at work. Is this all right? Because we're going to have to learn to shout because I believe we're going to see a lot of it. And we don't want to get weary in shouting. You know, it's like we raise someone from the dead and everyone gets real excited. Come to church next week and we raise somebody else from the dead and we're still a bit excited. The month later we're still raising someone from the dead and people said, is that all we do around here is raise people from the dead? You can get weary very quickly on something that we should shout about all the time. Is this all right? Because see, if we want God to turn up, we'd better get excited with what excites him that a good thing to say? If that excites him, maybe it should excite us. But somewhere, me included, the thing that excited God didn't excite me. It didn't even get up on the radar, but it has now. And we're going to keep it on the radar because we want this to be something that's so uh, important, not only us as a church, but it's important to God. And, and so, so God, now listen, God is about to set his church on fire. Now, see, he's done it before. Now, I know we look around and we think, how's God going to do this? Just seems like the world is against God, the governments are against God. You know, Christmas, and you can't even say Merry Christmas. You know, wow, this is getting bad. And so we just come to church and we just hope we can hang on for another month, a year, whatever. Now, let me tell you something. God, you remember God now? You all remember God? See, I'd forgotten God once concerning this and he reminded me that he was God and that he was well able and he was going to set his church on fire all over the world. Not just in some countries where we hear great things happening and, and, and we say, well, it's just Australia and it doesn't happen here. Now, that's a lie of the devil and I won't have that lie anymore because God, I used to spread that lie <laughs> and God corrected me. He said, son, you forgot me. You forgot the God fact. You forgot me. I'm well able. So let me tell you, God is about to set his church on fire. Now, let me just tell you something. Because I had said to the Lord, how are you going to do it? And he said, well, use yourself as an example because I did it to you. You see, I was brought up Baptist. 
And uh, I was a good Baptist. And a good Baptist back in those days did not believe in healing or speaking in tongues. They were all of the devil. And if you came and said, well, I'm, I speak in tongues, well, we kicked you out. And if you said you got healed, we kicked you out too. <laughs> now, I've normally got at least one good Baptist in the group. I don't know whether I've got one today or not. But I was a good Baptist, you understand? I was a good Baptist. <laughs> so we kicked you out. And then one day, oh, I don't know how God did this. It's still a mystery to me today. But seriously, in a day, he came up and he took that unbelief out and he put within me a belief. All in a day. Jan will tell you, she was there when it happened. We didn't understand it. She cried. Jan cried and said, what's happened to you? I said, I don't know, but whatever's happened, I know from this day forward it'll never be the same again. And Jan cried even harder. Because she thought maybe there's something wrong with our marriage or something. Because <laughs> it, it was such, so dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. You see, God's done this in history past. If we wanted to look at history, I can just give you two examples. And that is the healing revival. Back in the 40s or whenever it was. And, and back there when it first started, listen, a lot of Christians got mad. They even tried to kill and burn the, they had tents, they tried to burn the tents down and throw rocks at the evangelist. But it wasn't long before many of them who hated that were in the tent. They were flowing with what God was doing. The charismatic move, now the charismatic move is, is, is uh, I came in just at the end of that. And uh, again, uh, people who saw no tongues is of the devil and healing is of the devil. Well, God did something that swept multitudes of people into that movement matter of fact some of you were part of that and maybe you were like me some of you may got saved into that good place to be saved into but I was Baptist and a good Baptist in good standing until God did something to change me eh? yeah then I got kicked out that's right but I waited until I got the pastor healed. He got sick and went and prayed for him. He got healed and he got up and testified he was healed. I said, you shouldn't have done that. They'll kick you out. And I had a deacon's meeting a month later and kicked him out. It's a true story. Yeah, then, then, then they kicked me out. And, but so the, here's the charismatic move now. God did something in the charismatic move that shook a lot of the church up. Because at first, the mainline church rejected it. So God took de Plusi to the Catholics. And the Catholics came in by their hundreds of thousands into the charismatic move. And it was, I remember reading a book. Ah. <laughs> oh. I remember reading a book because there were Pentecostals around before the charismatic movement and somebody had written a whole book on how annoyed they were at these charismatics being filled in the spirit because they said we had to tarry, we had to pay a price and they're coming in and, and, and they're, you know, they're coming in and, and they're, they're wearing hats they've got tattoos they've got, you haven't got an earring but they've got earrings and they're coming down the front and boom, they're getting filled in the spirit and speaking in tongues. God's blessing them and we had to pay a price. How can God, this can't be God. Yeah. Remember those days? I mean, it was just a riot and some clown, bless some Lord, forgive me for calling me, somebody wrote a whole book at their annoyance with this happening and it couldn't be God. But while they're getting mad over here, God's over here, moving powerfully and touching people who denied that this was God. God took something out and put his spirit in. Church, get ready. He's about to do it again. Mm. Oh boy, I could hardly wait for Sunday. I'm glad it's here. <laughs> hope you, I'm getting a lot out of this. I hope you are. Because see, it's the day of the saints of God to do the work of the ministry. And God's about to orchestrate things. And do it in a way that it's never been done before. 
And the hard part will be for some people having you come in and talk about the 5,000 people that you just got saved when you took somebody out of a wheelchair down at the shopping centre. And we've still got 100 here in church. Where are the 5,000? And did they, this is a funny thing, and did they really get saved? How do you know they did? Listen, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. How do you know they did? Then later on, they recorded five. How do you know they got saved? Isn't that interesting? Well, they said they were. I guess they were. The Bible tells us that they just had to confess Jesus as Lord. Let's keep it simple, folks. That's all the Bible says. They did it. They were saved. Let's keep it Bible simple. So God's about to do something in you. Because you're the understood subject here. You is the whole plan that God has. Now, you know, sometimes I've looked in the mirror and said, Lord, if this is the plan you got, you're in trouble. <laughs> but you are the plan. And thank goodness he looks at you and said, no, I'm not in trouble. The devil's the one in trouble. I've got a plan. I'm about to put something into my church that's going to shake the whole church world up. And there'll always be some on the other side of the street that'll throw rocks at you, try to burn the church down and write books about you, but you won't care because you know what God has done to you and how he's changed you, empowered you. And God's going to max this out. Because here's the thing, you know, when, when God starts to use you and he puts his spirit in you in that way, first off, there's probably things in your life that shouldn't be there. And I'm not going to sort of go down any road here, but just leave that hanging there. And... Uh, but here's the deal. Suddenly, we can preach all we want to about holiness and righteousness and sanctification. And it's just like throwing water off a duck's back to some people. But listen, when you start being used by God, suddenly life will change. I don't want to do that anymore, Lord. I want the power of God to flow through me. I want this more than I'll submit to that. God's about to get the church ready so that he can come back for church. Ready. He's going to max this out, folks. God's got an incredible plan. The devil's in deep trouble. All right, let's just let's move on here for a little bit. So if God can do it in the past, he's done it to me. I don't know what he's done to you, but I'm preaching this morning so I can tell you my story. But he'll do it again. Over and over and over and over. You know, there'll be some people that they look like to you that they're spiritually dead. They come to church every now and again. You know, and you think, oh, well, I don't even know if they were, if they were really... You know how us Christians, we're pretty good at putting people where we think they should be. You know? I mean, if they were really saved, they'd be in church on Sunday. If they were really saved, they would give their money into tithes and offerings. I mean, they really say. Now, here's the thing God is about to surprise you. There's going to be some sleeping giants that are going to come awake in this. And you'll have to run to keep up with them because they're going to come with a passion, burning on fire for God. I've got to tell you, when, you know, when God turned me around, Jan and I, uh, we have four children, they were young. And uh, we were going to church, but occasionally we'd miss church. And when he went Sunday morning, and they had a Sunday night, they had a prayer meeting, uh, they had a Wednesday night meeting, they had a prayer meeting at, I think it was five or six o'clock Sunday morning, and never went to any of it. Missed church from time to time, so I could have been, we could have been considered lukewarm, even though we loved the Lord. But when I got filled in the spirit, when he did that, I dove back into that church. I was at the six o'clock prayer meeting Sunday morning. I was at the Sunday morning service. And then I was at the evening service. But before I went to the evening service uh, in West Australia, the paper there, I don't know if they still do, but they had a list of what was happening in churches. And so I would find some churches to go to between morning service and evening service. And I would go to another church service in the afternoon or I'd go to one Saturday night. So I'd do a Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. I'd race back in time to get to our church. And then Wednesday, I was there absolutely burning. As a matter of fact, at first, they got real excited. They said, wow, look at Jim. Man, this is so exciting. And then I, I didn't even know what charismatic was. I had no idea. I was just reading my Bible and it was just coming alive. And then after a while, they got really concerned. They said, he's gone charismatic. Well, I didn't know what gone charismatic was. I'd just gone God. 
And after a while, they had people watching us, watching, watching, report back what he's doing. They get ready, there's some sleepers that are around, and they're going to come back in on fire, and we're going to have to run to keep up with them. Okay, moving right along. Where are we going here? Verse 2. There's five verses. You can work it out yourself now. Took me 20 minutes to do one. Now we're going to go to two. No, no. Okay, listen. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Now here's an interesting thing here. See, there's two darknesses here. Let me just describe both of them. The first darkness, uh, here we see this darkness is that the people outside of Christ are in darkness. Without the gospel, they're going to go to a Christless eternity. So they're in darkness. We were all born under sin. That's what the Bible says. We're born under sin, or we, we're just using the word darkness here. But then we, we see this second darkness here. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth. That's everybody. And deep darkness the people. Now this deep darkness is talking about the sin that has captured people. And we've got a lot of deep darkness in people's lives out there. They've succumbed to drugs and they cannot get off them. They've succumbed to alcohol and they can't get off to smoking, to pornography, to all sorts of manner of things. And it's like deep darkness. It's like a blanket has covered them and they cannot get out. And this is where we're finding the world right now. The world in many places in deep darkness. I don't know... Uh, whether you've listened to the ads, but now they're talking about uh, 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 30 times, I think they're saying, uh, people are being picked up for drugs in driving than alcohol. 30 times. They're advertising now, be warned, if you're on drugs, you'll get caught. Because now we're doing checks on alcohol and drugs when we pull you over. Deep darkness. The world is in deep darkness and something has to happen that's going to shift them out of this deep darkness. And we are told here in the next verse, and his glory shall be seen upon you. Wow, can you just imagine that? So there's a world out there in darkness, in deep darkness, but suddenly God is going to use you to do something to break that. Deep darkness the people. But, oh, thank goodness it's not over. Now here's the thing. You might know somebody that's just in a mess. You think it's impossible. You think it'll never change. Well, that's first as a lie of the devil. Because here it is. They're going to see something in you. Now, this is where I like to encourage people that you need to hold yourself in God and in the promises and some of those that we read, there were a lot more, but only could bring out a few this morning, in the goodness of God. That you stand in the goodness of God. And if you make a mistake, the Bible says, well, if, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, listen, from all unrighteousness. Well, there's a whole message there, but I don't have time to get into that today. So you stand, because your standing and letting God's glory be seen on you is the difference between them going to a crisis eternity and being set free. They're not going to come to a meeting. You know, I, I, I read just recently T.L. Osborne's book on soul winning. T.L. Osborne was a, almost a man before his time. He was talking about Uh, saints of God doing the work of the ministry and he said sadly most churches they talk about the woman that lost uh, that had the ten coins lost one and she forsook the nine that she already had and she did everything to search for that one was lost and she would not give up call the neighbors come and help one is lost I'm not going to be satisfied until that one is found but T.L. Osborne says that that uh, most people are just happy to polish the nine they've got and not care about the one that's lost. Well, folks, we're going to have to care about the lost. T.L. Osborne went on to say he could have a, a half a million or a million people in a crusade, and that would be nice, but who's going to reach the 10 million, 20 million, 100 million that are outside that city, in that city who, doesn't, who will not come to a crusade? 
Today, and as I travel around the world, most, cru- most people tell me crusades are only feeding Christians. The world is not coming. And even if they did come, the percentage is so small and the rest of the world stays away. So how are we going to reach them? You are the understood subject in God's purposes and plan. You, the glory of the Lord is in you. God's glory, God's manifest presence. Everything that God has, he has held nothing back. Everything. You have the same, uh, you're a joint, you're a child of God, a son of God, a child of God, and a joint heir with Christ. Everything he has, you have. He was a healer, you're a healer. He was a life giver, you're a life giver. He raised the dead, you raised the dead. He cast out demons, you cast out demons. Blind eyes were open. You know, I was just in Fiji a, a, a month or six weeks ago and, uh, and, and there we were training people to do the work of the ministry, which is what I do these days. I love doing this, going around to churches and nations. We've got a course that we do. We've done it here in the church and Pastor Tom is going to have us do it again soon when he and I can fit it in I've got a bit of travel coming up again but we're going to do it here again and and we train people how to pray for the sick and we give them a card to follow and then we say to them if you've got somebody that you're praying with and they need healing for something then tell them and pray for that in our practice session and uh, we've had blind eyes open we've had the deaf here we've had all sorts of miracles but in Fiji we had a creative miracle and you know this is something only God can do a creative miracle and uh, this, this man, he, uh, apparently there's two main veins in your neck. Well, he'd had one removed. And while this believer was praying for him, not me, just an, an ordinary believer or extraordinary believer was praying for him, and he felt a warm sensation and he felt that God had replaced that vein that the doctors had taken out in 2009. So you get ready, we start taking people out in your world. And God opens a door. You know, we train people, look for God to open a door. Take an opportunity. You know, someone says, well, I'm not feeling well today. You opened a door, let me pray for you. Then we, we teach people, you know, to what we call the million dollar question. If you die, then to ask them, if you died last night in 100 years time, where would you go? We ask that question because we want to hear what they're thinking. They will tell you what they're thinking. What they're th- thinking is what will help you go to the next step. The ones I really love is the people that tell me, well, I, I believe I'll go to heaven. They already want to go to heaven. The problem is we tried to invite them to church. And they wanted to go to heaven, but we never invited them to heaven. We keep inviting them to church. They don't want to come to church. They want to go to heaven, but we don't even tell them about heaven. We don't even invite them to heaven. We keep inviting them to church. We're going to turn it around and start inviting people to heaven. Yeah. Amen? This is, this is really uh, God's uh, desire and purpose. So... So we see here now there are people in darkness. You may know people in darkness. That's all right. They're coming out. You might say, they're so hard. Oh, I could tell you stories. I haven't got time. I'm keeping an eye on the clock here. You all doing okay? Yeah. I could tell you stories of people that were just the hardest nuts to crack. But thank goodness you and I aren't cracking them, but the Holy Ghost is, and he'll yeah. get them. Yeah. Your job is to burn. Give God something to work with. God will do the other part. But if we're not giving God something to work with, then he cannot do anything. You have to give him something to work with. When you lay hands on the sick, you're giving God something to work with. When you tell tell someone the gospel, you're giving God something to work with. But if you try and invite them to church, God says, well, you can do that if you want to, but that's not my deal. I didn't want you to invite them to church. I want you to invite them to heaven. (sighs) Amen? Are you on fire yet? You are going to be different. 2016, I'm talking about, just around the corner now. Get ready. Okay, verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Listen, here again. The understood subject is who? You. You. Everyone say me. Me. Now everyone say me. Me. (laughs) It's too late. You cannot get out of this. You're in the kingdom. It is you. You're it. You've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. 
Okay, so the Gentiles shall come to your light. Burn, baby, burn. Just unashamedly let your light shine. They might get mad at you. They might even, you know, we have a funny little thing in Australia. Oh, well, I'm being persecuted for my faith. Don't talk rubbish. We don't know what persecution is. I think we're finding out a little bit more in some parts of the world what real persecution is. Don't let the devil shut you up. Now, don't be like one fellow I spoke to. He says, well, I've been at that job for 15 years and worked with this guy. I didn't know he was a Christian too. Uh, I do a lot of walking around with my hands in my pocket. Listen. They're going to come running. The world is going to come running to you. You're God's bridge to eternal life. Which will eventually get a lot of them into church. Do you know, maybe they all won't come to church. But you know, the church isn't the bottom line. Heaven is. We forgot that, didn't we? We thought church was the bottom line. But heaven's the bottom line. Jesus is the bottom line. When you get them into heaven, then God's got something to work with to get them where else they need to be. Now listen, come with me now to Zechariah. Second last book in the Old Testament, just to make life easy for you to find it. Zechariah chapter 8. Actually, I found out where it was so it would be easy for me to find it. Zechariah chapter 8. And let's look at verse 23. You ready for this? I just saw this this week. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Ten men from every nation and tongue. Folks, I think we're going to be busy. See, I, I, I believe this scripture has not been fulfilled yet. That this, this fits right into the church. That ten people are from nations and tongues are going to seek you out. Grab you. We've got to hang on to you, man, because you, you know God. I wonder if they can say that now. You know God. And I hang on. Can you imagine that? Get ready, folks, because that's the biblical pattern of what God is about to do. People are going to chase you down. So we can see something different than you. My world is a mess. The world is in a mess. But there's something about you. You're burning for God. I'm going to, I've got to come with you. I've got to come with you. See, change is coming. 2016. I think we could call this a prophetic word this morning for what I believe God's about to do in the church. See, the world is dissatisfied. There is no answer. No political answer, no financial answer, no medical answer, no family planning answer. The world is in, in a mess. So people are dissatisfied. And what they need to see is the satisfaction and the glory and the goodness of God that you carry. And even on your worst day, the glory of God is burning in you. And people are going to come. So God's desire is to, fulfill, is to fill his people with his spirit so that others recognize his power and his presence in you. Because the presence of God in you should be obvious to the world. They should see something different. Amen? So now verse 4 says, Lift up your eyes all around and see. Now this is... 
This is something we do. They're coming to me, Lord. They're coming to me. They're coming to me because I'm on fire for you. Look up. Look around. They're coming to you. We're not going to be passive anymore. We're looking at, Lord, where are they coming from? Who are they? Lift up your eyes all around. See, they are gathered together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. And then, verse 5, and then you shall see and become radiant. And your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea has turned to you. People are going to see something. This is the greatest evangelism tool God has got. It's you. Not the big meetings. Yeah, we'll probably still have big meetings, probably still have crusades, probably still have big name preachers, but they will take a less significant role in your life. You know what's going to be the most significant person in your life? Jesus, yeah. Not the man of God, not the woman of God, not the big name preacher, not the one that books that you keep on reading and the money you keep sending to them. No, it'll be Jesus will be the number one person in your life. We're coming back to Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're coming back to the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords, the head of the church, the one who died and then blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We're coming back to him. We're going to worship him. We're going to exalt him. We're not going to worship, exalt and venerate a man. We're coming to Jesus. Yes. I don't want what man's got. You know, you get some ministries, well, you get what we got when you join us. I don't want what you've got. I don't care what you've got. Why should I have what you want when I can get what he's already got? I want what Jesus got. I learned something in business, Alan, a long time ago. I, I want to talk to the top dog. You know, I don't ring up and say, can I talk to someone with authority in the cat? The janitor says, well, I've got as much authority as anyone. No, I don't want to talk to you. I love you and appreciate you. I want to talk to the boss. I learned that in business. Go to the big guy. So when I'm serving God, I don't go to find somebody down here that says you can get all the blessings that I've got if you'll just partner with me. I don't want that. I go to the big guy, Jesus. I want what he's got because he promised that's what I'd get. And then this verse finishes off, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Now let's just cover this a little bit because, you know, the church is a little bit odd, you know, the, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just and we say, yeah, just give us your money. This is the same wealth here that's in that verse. And you know what? That must be abhorrent to God. It must be disappointing when the church says, yep, the wealth of the sinner is later. We're getting all their money. It's coming, it's coming. The church is going to get the money. The sinners are going to send it to us. Can you imagine God getting excited about that deal? No. You think about it. He died for them, not their money. And it's sad if the church is willing to have their money and let them go to hell. All right, I can hear the cogs going over. Now, here's the deal. Let me show you what this means. This will help you. So what we see here now, what is the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you? Now, listen. When somebody gets saved, oh, there's two parts to this. Somebody gets saved, and when they come into the kingdom, you know what they bring with them? They bring... And this word wealth is not about money. They bring within them their virtue, their strength, their goods, their power, and their wealth. Folks, we just don't want the sinner's money. We'd mess it up. We need them to, because they knew how to make the money. We need them in here to show us how to use the money in a godly fashion. You're still here now. So we want to see the wealth come in the sinners, but every one of them, when they come in, they bring something. They bring their gifts. They bring their callings. They bring their anointing. And if they've got money, they'll bring that. They'll bring their goods. Now, let's take this one step further. You. When you got saved, you brought something to the table that added to the supply of the rest of us that when you, if you were not here, we would be deficient of your supply. Now, you might have been a millionaire and just sent all your money. I'd probably be almost inclined to send the money back and then come and get you. Now, most Christians would keep the money and say, well, tough. Come on, let's be real. I'd want to send the money back and go get him and bring him in 
so we get the whole package deal. Amen? Amen. So this is what God's doing today. There's a whole deal out there and there's packages out there. God's waiting for you to burn and bring them into the kingdom. And they will come in with gifts and anointings and abilities and callings and and, uh, they will have strengths and and riches and some of that will be riches in wealth because we want them in the kingdom, not just their goods. Amen? This is what God's about to do. We're about to see a huge change in the body of Christ. So we're at the last Sunday of 2015 and God has crowned his year with his goodness towards you. Now what's he saying about 2016? Church, it's time to stand up and burn bright. Let's stand up right now. We want to burn brightly for the Lord because of his goodness and the glory of God that he has placed within us. I I trust you all got something out of this today and that I haven't gone too long. My schedule says finish at 11.30, so I'm on target. You know, I've been in ministry for 35 years, so you gather a bit of stuff as you go and you've got to make sure you balance it out as you get it out in that one hour, 45 minutes or whatever. But I trust it all came out for you to get hold of something here today. Because we are stepping into an incredible time in God and the world may be getting dark and, and gross darkness, the people. But God... His glory is about to shine in ways it never has before because he's going to use you as his source. So I I would just like you just to to, to lift your hands and I want you just to do business with God. I can't do it for you today. You do business with God and you say, Lord, here am I, use me. Lord, whatever needs to change in me, change. Lord, I want to burn for you. You you pray a prayer that, 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 that is on your heart here this morning. Maybe it's just a simple prayer. Help me, Lord, to do this. Help me know where I fit. You know, just just start praying it out just quietly to yourself, but move your lips. You know, don't do a mind game. Do a a word game. Just just pray it out. Because we want to say, Lord, we want to be a part of this. We don't want it to happen down the church, down the road, and and we take another six months to catch the fire. No, we want to catch it right now. We want to catch it right now. Lord, we want to burn for you. We, we want to go out and, and be uh, on fire for you so that the world is something that they can see. And just like Zechariah, Father, people from every language and nation shall grasp a sleeve of a Christian saying, let us go with you for we've heard that God is with you. Lord, we want people to see God in us to such a point they come and seek us out. So, Father, we thank you for all the goodness that you've made available to us in this new and better covenant based on better promises that we have in Christ Jesus. And, Father, we thank you that goodness is abounding towards us and overtaking us with every good and every perfect gift. Father, we're just going to have this as our platform as we go into 2016 so that we can be on fire for you, that the glory of the Lord will be seen upon us. And so, Father, I just thank you for this group of people. And this group of people have a lot of people in their world already, Lord. We don't have to go look for them. They're already there. Some have got 20, some 50, some got 100, some more. So we represent here tens of thousands of people just here today. And each one that we affect is going to affect another 100, another 1,000 Father, there's no limit to where this goes when we allow you to have your way in our lives. And Father, we today, we covenant with you. We want to be a part of this move. We want to be used of you. We want the prophetic word for this day to be in our lives. And we're not satisfied, Father, just to sit by and just wait. We're passionate. We're going to burn for you. We're going to be lightning in a dark world. People will seek us out and we'll have the answers. And his name is Jesus. We'll take them to the kingdom of, to the throne of God and to heaven. Father, we just thank you right now. We just put a seal and a hedge around your people here today, Father. 
The, the work that you're doing in their, their, their hearts, Father, if something has to be removed supernaturally like you did with me, you, you're well able to do it, Lord. And to re- replace it with your fire and your passion. And so, Father, we just humbly acknowledge your sovereignty today. Your will and your purpose be done in us, in our time, in our day. We will see the greatest harvest this world has ever seen come in, in our day, through us, through the church, through the body of Christ. May this bring unity in the body of Christ. May this break down the barriers as you did in the healing revivals and particularly in the charismatic renewal. You broke down barriers that churches and Christians had put up. You broke them down, Lord, and and people came together from all manner of life and dress and, and all manner of occupations, but they just came to worship you. They stood together and they didn't care who they sat beside and, and who they talked to. They were all in unity. They were in one. Father, do it again. Bring the church, the body of Christ, into unity of souls coming into the kingdom of God. And may we want to put sin aside because we want the power of God to flow through each of us. And so, Father, we just honor you today and we just commit. 2016 is the year that the head of the church has his way, his church, submitted to him. And we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to the King. This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.